labor had totally shat the bed on it and just like it didn't even have to be a wedge they just sort of allowed themselves to be wedged by it this twice twice it is disingenuous the situation now is even worse flood is not above the poverty line skeleton of the modern Labour Party was kind of being formed before its bones were picked over by the Accords and we were left with what we've got now. Are we, are we starting? Should we start? Well, it's recording, so okay. I think we probably could. All right. Should we say our names? Or we should say our names. <laughs> I'm Joe. I'm Matt. I'm Declan. We're back. We're doing another podcast. It's February. Last one, I believe, was uh, December. So <laughs> this Everyone is knows the year one. starts in February. It, yeah. Welcome Look. to Flacus Season 2. Uh, this time we are taking on the Vatican. <laughs> that will be this year's theme. Um, well, we... I think we're going to start... Well, I don't know. What do we want to talk about today? I guess we our last show was like a year in review. This show is like a year in preview. Because um, yeah. it's going to be an election year, obviously. So that's interesting. Let's lead. Uh, let's open with who do you think is going to win the election? Ooh. Let's lock in our predictions okay. now. I think the coalition are going to win. <laughs> I, that's not based on anything except vibes, but that's it. That's my prediction. Well, I, I'm really, really confused because historically, what I think is going to happen doesn't happen, and I th- like. And I don't know if that means that I think the Labor Party is going to win or if I think the coalition is going to win because I keep trying to like double bluff myself in my brain and realizing I actually just don't know. What's your Um, first like gut reaction before you start double bluffing? It's the coalition. Okay. Like I just... That's your bet then. The Labor Party (laughs) loses. That's like... That's That's what they do. uh, Yeah. From the moment I became politically like aware of the world, my earliest political memories were Keating losing to Howard. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean... Last election they won was 2010. And did they win that election or did they tie yeah. that election? I mean, yeah. and that They yeah, tied that election really and that negotiated so, it a little bit better. They've won one election so since... 2007. Two, yeah, 2007. Yeah, that, that was it. Okay. Matt. Mm. Uh, yeah, like in my heart, in my mind, like there's some kind of theoretical chance that like the dominoes could fall in just the right way because it's not like the coalition are going to earn a win or anything like that. It's not like it's... It's not like going to be some kind of brilliant move that they pull off. So this, I think, much like the, you know, I don't know, like the Joe Biden, they could just kind of fall backwards into it. But I think probably not. I don't think that happens in the Labour. I think they've just, there's just too much bad energy in the party to enable that kind of stroke of luck. And I think the coalition will win. Which is weird because, like, every indication is that Labour will win, right? Like, they're ahead mm. on most of the major polls. Like, it's, it's, it's genuinely looking pretty good for them. There seems to be quite a lot of, like... Um, nervous confidence amongst the kind of like boomer ALP base that like it's going to happen for them. Yeah, but that's what I thought last time. It is. <laughs> but you've got to understand like the degree to which we just memory hole everything that happens so we can do it again. I don't think Labour believes that they are going to win. And I think Labour has convinced itself that the country has finally woken up to this criminal government and that everyone's just had enough of Scott Morrison and that he's uh, he's panicking and he's flailing. I think the, And also, I think the coalition on some level thinks that they're going to lose as well. And I think that's why they've pushed through the religious discrimination bill. I think there's, on both sides of that, I think an emerging vibe that Labour will win. And I think they're both wrong. And I think that the coalition will win. <laughs> it will be kind of funny if they do honestly <laughs> like funniest outcome well it'll be amazing to watch the reaction from all these like labor already kind of preparing to take a victory lap they're already kind of writing their victory speeches in their head about how good it is that they've turfed out um scott morrison and like scott morrison i think is a more repulsive figure than either turnbull or abbott yeah like just on a personal level uh I definitely agree with you about Turnbull. I'm not sure Abbott had such strange vibes. Like, well, No, like Abbott definitely like, you know, has a bunch of skinned corpses in his basement <laughs> or like is somewhere in a monastery now flogging himself or there's just some, you know, Abbott is in Opus Dei. Well, we said we're going to take on the Vatican this year. <laughs> and, you know, that starts with taking down Tony Abbott. But I think Scott Morrison was well, Morrison is a Pentecostal and that's uh, mm. worse than being a Catholic. I'm just going to rank all the religions on this <laughs> podcast right now. Um, yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, if you know, if Labor do win, um, 
certainly not out of the question. Like, it's, like I said, it's not my vibes, but I'm not writing it off. But if they do, it's like, well, why? Mainly just because of like widespread um, disillusionment and or disgust with Scott Morrison. Like it's nothing, as far as I know, they don't have any flagship policies this election. Yeah, but also like... I wonder how widespread that disillusion or disgust with Morrison is because, mm. like, I don't think outside of, like, the, the kind of labour and, like, ecosphere of talking about him as, like, some sort of Christian fascist. I mean, he's not a Christian fascist. He's just, like, a normal, like, conservative Christian who wants to repress, like, people who aren't he. I don't really think that there is real dissatisfaction. Like, Australia's gone through COVID pretty well. Like, we're not in a particularly different economic place in terms of where we were a couple of years ago. Wages are still shit. Housing's still out of reach. Like, all these things are a little bit worse. But I don't think there's any, like... I honestly don't really know if there's any catalyzing thing that are going to make... Which is going to change where the, the vibe of the people mm. are at. There's been, like... There have been all these moments in the last few years which have... I mean, a lot of the, the theme of these last few years has been Labour convincing themselves that a lot of stuff's happening that is not actually happening. And a lot of, like, headlines and, like, media moments and uh, things that fit into this story that I think Labour and the left more generally is telling themselves about what's going on. Like, the, the bushfires. Um, and there, was, there were moments when Morrison's uh, approval ratings looked pretty bad and took a hit. Like, the... Well, the bushfires. Yeah, yeah. bushfires. Like, if the election happened then, I, I think Labour no, exactly. would have won yeah. by a lot. Unlike the, there, there was like a period where it, we were massively behind in vaccines and like the vaccine mm. rollout had been fucked. Yeah, that was And everyone was like, well, point. this looks super bad for Morrison. Yeah, we're all vaccinated now though. So nobody remembers that happened. And even like last month, as like last month, Labour were massively ahead in the polls. Yeah, and it was just like that, in this, in the Omri. Omicron, Omicron spike, yeah, like when no one could get rats, when no one could get a rat, and it was and it was really really frustrating. Um, the borders were like slowly opening up. It was really clear, but also I feel like, like I feel like there was a huge amount of anger directed at state governments in that moment as well. I'm not convinced that that was that is going to necessarily land on Morrison. Yeah, and well, I don't know if it's going to carry over. Like I think that's already dissipated. Yeah, mm. it's, and like in terms of polling, that was all. That's already just like gone. Yeah, it's already just like it's a dead heat again immediately. So I think a lot, like, um, precisely because there's no firm commitment to either of these parties, uh, because the election is not being run on anything, there's no sustained, um, like, relationship to any of this stuff. Stuff can happen. Marissa can get, like, a bad headline. And that honestly, like, if the election is held a week after he gets a bad headline, that could honestly swing it. But... It's much more in some ways unpredictable precisely because both of the parties have just said, like, fuck it. Mm. Well, I mean, as people who are probably more in touch with the electorate than um, either of the major parties because we actually do door knock, I don't know, what's your vibe? Like, my... Because one of the things that's come up for me um, recently is just like, oh, people don't really seem to care that much about COVID anymore. (laughs) Like, people don't really... Like, a lot of people have had it or they're vaccinated. It's not really an issue for them anymore. Like, where it comes up, it's kind of like, oh, I I don't know, I'm a bit frustrated that my um, mother in aged care, like, that, you know, they, they lock the facilities down and um, or that, you know, my kids can't go back to school at the time they were scheduled to or whatever. But really, like, there was a time when it was like every single punter would be bringing it up and now it's kind of just, yeah, I think people are over it. Yeah, the only people who I've had bring it up are people who were, like, frustrated by how it was at that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, they lost a job or something like yeah. that. Yeah, But otherwise, yeah, I agree. Honestly, I think the vibe is really similar to 2019, which was the election that was instantly memory-holed. Like, nothing changed whatsoever. <laughs> the vote, like, the major party votes were really, really stable, except worse for Labour in Queensland than normal. Mm. But also, they always do badly in Queensland, so mm. it wasn't, like, particularly notable and... Like the makeup of the parliament barely shifted by a cu- like a couple of seats, right? So yeah. I, my instinct is that that's what's going to happen. It'll be really, really close. Maybe a couple of the independents will get up, or a couple of like non-mangers will get up around the country, and that might actually end up having like some pretty significant outcomes. Um, it might change politics a fair bit, but mm-hmm. I can't really see. Like, 
I can't see either major party arresting the like slow, steady decline in their in their vote. No, that's it. Yeah, there's no Kevin 07 moment. I can't see. I can't there being see there being like a, a meaningful swing to to either that no. isn't like at least mediated through maybe the micro right. Like I can mm. see. Um, I can see freedom, freedom, freedom forever. Um, getting quite like quite a big growth. Yeah. So I would say like the one uh, subset of kind of passionate COVID related voters that you come across is freedom, freedom people like. Um, people who are anti anti vax mandate in particular yeah. um, come across yeah a couple of more than I would have thought yeah and a fair those, bit those a fair people bit. are going to go to to the um, to the right wing minor parties I do have to just sit, like really applaud the the message discipline of freedom freedom <laughs> freedom forever it's, just, it's one word it's you repeat it <laughs> it's stunning if we had that sort of message discipline on the left. Yeah, the Greens Whoa. are like 15-page flies about sea turtles. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas we should just focus on the sea turtles. We should just... Sea turtles, sea turtles, sea turtles. Sea turtles forever. Sea turtles forever. Well, <laughs> should we well, should call like it the But also, get out, get out sea. You know, we've, really, we've already just fucked turtles. it up. Turtles, yeah. turtles, turtles forever. Yeah. 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 And those should be the only parties. It should be freedom or it should be turtles. You have to choose. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to talk about um, about the election in general was... To what extent do you think the the this is the woman's election framing mm. is going to work? No, not yeah, at 0%. all. Absolutely not. That's another climate election thing. I think that fits firmly into the category of what you were talking about before with um, Labor people, most of whom are way too online, convincing themselves of things that are not happening in reality. Yeah, I think the like the weird thing is like the way the media class. Well, because I think much of the progressive media is pretty ALP aligned. It's mm. not controversial to say that. But they all think it's a woman's election as well. And I think that's kind of like a little bit of what this discrimination bill is trying to do is to try and make this about like, I guess, like patriarchy versus like non-patriarchy kind of like politics. Mm -hmm. But I really don't think it's going to land. I really like I can't imagine. I haven't had anyone really bring it up. Maybe a little bit. It just, yeah, like to me, it seems obviously not a thing. I just... It's wild to me how people convince themselves of these things. It's just, I mean, this is like basically a Hillary Clinton moment all over again. Like. It's incredible how Clintony it is, and it's incredible how nobody has learned that this doesn't work. Like, mm. because yeah, it's, it's all you like. You see so many people talking about this, and you see so many people have internalized this idea that, and you know, this was in the last couple of years we did have this massive scandal about like the treatment of women in parliament and all that but first labor's just as bad oh yeah like, i'm sure they are you know let's let's hammer that home and second it's just it's one of these things that you just think well don't you guys check whether voters care about this at all no like, no they don't the, the, <laughs> this is not a consideration like which most- is frustrating because i think like from door knocking i do think that there is like a really significant level of frustration from women about like about women's like position in society out there like childcare is just mm. so fucking frustrating and people are so like like women are so f- like angry about having their career stultified about having to choose whether they should give up five years to stay home like i think i think there is a real like latent kind of frustration like in australian women about like how things are going and yet it's not it's not going to be picked up by by whether like grace tame like pouts next to morrison or not like i don't think that's once again, it's just like ignoring every actual material issue in favour of this very abstract cultural war that really nobody uh, who's not like yeah either online or already a kind of rabid consumer of ABC and Guardian politics cares at all about. Well, if you're not employed in Parliament House, which the majority of Australians are not employed in Parliament House, like... You know, if this was an election determined by the choices of the average Australian woman, it would be the childcare election. Mm. Then that would be a million times more. Like, that's something you could actually have an election about. This whole, honestly, like childcare has become a huge issue. Labor have said a couple of things about it, but you can. Yeah, they are. They are making like gestures towards it, but I can't really remember what it is because, like most Labor policy, it doesn't go very far. It's just like, well. I mean, I tried to look it up on their website and it was like, I specifically remember this because it was just like these spreadsheets. Yeah, like I'm looking policy, at it now. It's just like spreadsheet after spreadsheet of just like, 
And it, it turns out it's something just like we will uh, raise the subsidy or like we'll expand access to the uh, childcare subsidy for like workers who to make workers who make more than like this amount of money. But it, it's something that you can't remember the details of. You don't trust. They haven't emphasized in their communications. There's clearly someone in Labour who recognizes that this is coming up from constituents and that like people are responding to this enough so that in the same way they do housing, enough so that like someone somewhere is like, oh, we'd better address this. Yeah, so they have a policy that addresses it, but not yeah. a po- like they have a policy that speaks to it, but nothing yeah. that addresses it. You yeah. really, you, yeah, you weren't kidding about this. There's spreadsheets, there's graphs. Um, it says the, uh, the Productivity Commission. This is has to be one of the most. ALP brain sentences. The Productivity Commission will conduct a comprehensive review of childcare with the aim of implementing a universal 90% subsidy for all families. Just fucking make it free, you cowards. Okay, so what if the Productivity Commission makes a different decision? It says, well, actually, it's really good to have social reproduction, like, feminized. Like, what if it's really good? Like, what if the best thing for productivity is actually that women are subordinate citizens? That, with the aim of, is doing a lot of work there, I have to say. And yeah, like why involve them at all? Just like you're a po- you're a political party, you're supposed to have a vision for society. You can just say this is what we're going to do. Yeah, well, like, like I'm pretty sure the Productivity Commission already looked at this and said it was bad. Like, um, yeah, of course yeah, they well, you know, like there's just a million, yeah, like in terms of policy designers, like you could talk about just doing uh, a publicly owned childcare. You could at least start building like a few publicly owned childcare spaces. They have a system like that in France. Um, it's all these things. You could also talk about it in a way that didn't make you sound like, frankly, the biggest nerd in the world. <laughs> like, and you could just, you know, the, the, that, like Labor's childcare policy, such as it is, is not going to be an electoral issue. And they could make it an electoral issue and it would be good for their vote and it would be good for the country. And like all these things, they clearly just don't have the institutional institutional capacity to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. And well, and they they wouldn't as well because like really universal free childcare obviously would just have to be government run or yeah. at least or at least like some sort of government finance for co- co ops to like to set themselves up and run it. But yeah, yeah, like they a- wouldn't do that because it competes with all the private childcare, which is just massive, massive mm. business in Australia now. So a ninety percent subsidy is. Brilliant. It's like a really great way of transferring public funds to these like institutional investors who have shares in ABC Learning. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would like to actually do it properly, like in so many things, you'd have to move away from this like uh, subsidy driven model, which just channels money into the private sector into an actual direct state investment and directly building childcare centres. Yeah, which they're not absolutely not willing no, to exactly. do. No, exactly. But also just, yeah, like in terms of Labor's ability to, well, anyone's ability really to respond to what the actual voting base wants, like any actual like constituency of voters, and really in terms of what parties should be doing, which is like letting voters drive like w- what they what they're doing like letting voters actually set priorities Mm. like or letting priorities emerge from their actual voter base and then like knowing what those priorities are and letting those priorities lead a campaign that doesn't like instead of that process we've just got this internal labor process we're just a bunch of fucking like hacks and like pr people just like invent these little fantasy stories in their head and just do that instead well, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but like there does seem to be a genuine belief among, you know, I've had these discussions with like Labour people. I don't, probably in the coalition as well, I can't speak to that, but like it seems to be a genuine perception that it's sort of cheating to, to like let the voters, voter preferences determine your policies. Like, oh, you're just, you're playing to the base. You don't have enough spreadsheets. You don't understand. Um, you're not serious. Like, you know, part of being in real politics involves like not just giving people what they want and and shaping your policies around what is popular um that's, which you know seems to be working out well for them that's like but you i don't i think that's wrong oh, <laughs> but i like, think we all think it's wrong i strongly disagree <laughs> yeah. well, like, I, really... I think to a huge extent it's it's also because like where where australian capitalism and like global capitalism is, is at at the moment is even these minor reforms just cannot be cannot be like abided by so it's it's 
it's kind of the same thing to be like, yeah, we want universal free childcare and universal free housing as it is to say we want like the, the full abolition of the, the total state of affairs because it, it pushes just as far against what like what capitalism is kind of willing to give us at the moment. So yeah, sure. Like it's, it would, it would genuinely involve a conflict with capital to do literally anything, even mildly good, even, even a mild reform. And they're not willing to pick that fight. But even things that reforms that uh, I would say, you know, cultural issues that don't threaten um, Mm. capitalism. Like, you know, we were talking before about the religious discrimination, but like just can't be done, just cannot simply vote against it. Um, although, as we were saying, that you know that's more of an internal kind of thing, but yeah, I don't know. It's just everyone. I think all our listeners are on the same page as us here, but it's inter- interesting to see the many ways in which yeah, the Labor Party but hamstrings yeah, itself. Yeah, like the religious discrimination bill is another really quite bizarre example of like Labor. I don't know. Like we were talking about this. Like they seem to have invented this probably wholly imaginary constituency of people who would dump labor as soon as they came out against it and that i just don't think that exists no i mean like, it's it's kind of like the same thing you see everywhere that they are like oh yeah they they believe that these voters exist but and and those voters for whom religious discrimination or so on is a big issue like probably do exist but they're all already voting for the coalition like they're not going to be labor voters yeah because it's because it seems very at very least driven by Christian institutions, right? Like, mm-hmm. I guess Labor would probably make the argument that they're they're trying to like hold up their base in multicultural Western Sydney. Mm. Like, that's that's who they would say this is if they were to like say it. But I think it's I think it's probably racial scapegoating because it's mm. pre- it seems pretty clear that like it's the Christian lobby that was pushing um, the the conservative government to go with it, and it's and I feel like it's the Christian right of the ALP that is the reason they can't actually do it rather than any multicultural kind of like coalition of religious voters. Mm. I don't know, it's one of these things where you think, well, look, the average Australian voter, like we know this because we had a same-sex marriage referendum. Uh, like we know, like we just know this, like the average Australian voter is not some sort of hard right traditionals. I think both the coalition and Labour again think that the average voter is a lot more right-wing culturally than they actually are. Mm. Um, and in the coalition's case, because they want to believe that, because that's what they believe, in Labour's case, because it's just very convenient to be like, no, no, this is a right-wing country and it wants to do right-wing things and therefore we can't do anything, whoops. Well, I think to some extent that's true, but also what I think really what's happening is both parties have a really significant Christian right to the party, which is a legacy of this like of these parties that were formed like quite a long time ago and came together for kind of different reasons. And because there's these really entrenched power blocks that kind of are a crystallisation of an, an earlier moment in Australian history, mm. but still wield meaningful power within the party, what they have to do to justify the, the power of the religious right within the parties is to make up and agree with each other, just like make up and both say there's a big conservative like Christian element within the Australian population and that's why we can't do any of the things that is would be more in line with the with the kind of the baseline values in Australian society. Mm. Like it's, it's obviously just the power of the SDA and the AWU within the ALP that stops them from doing this sort of stuff. Uh, what are those again? Oh, the yeah, sorry. The, S, the SDA is the, the retail union that does like sweetheart deals with McDonald's and Coles and Woolworths and stuff. Um, but they've, it's, it's, probably like the saddest thing happening in Australian unionism but their their membership is overwhelmingly young and female like it's like 60% like women under the age of 30 or whatever it is um that's probably that's made up but you know words to that effect Mm. um so we'd probably have like one of the most culturally liberal kind of perspectives of any union membership but has been the terrain of the catholic right um within the like within the the union kind of uh, aristocracy for a really, really long time. And so members have no, no actual say over what actually happens in the party and it covers a bunch of members and so it makes big donations to the ALP and gets a lot of votes on conferences and I think is a really important part of preventing ALP actually doing anything progressive. Mm. Um, yeah, but again, like like so many things, it's completely abstracted, as you said, Declan, from any like meaningful actual voter base. <laughs> this is all taking part in a, a sphere that's just not... Yeah, just just not 
connected with people. I guess that helps me understand one of the things I always think about this. A lot of it just seems to be related to internal dynamics of the party. Mm-hmm. But like in a way that's so separated from any voter base that it's just like when you see some sort of meaningless like shit fight within a small leftist group or some group that's like, I don't know, the, the bird watchers organization, one of these like little hobby groups that believes that their own, their goal is like the most important thing in the world. What is some of this like the personal drama and the inside of factions that form and like the really kind of weird and surprising politics that emerges from these groups is like the, when you get these like internal, like I think a lot of what we're seeing can't really be explained except in terms of internal party dynamics are leading to this. Like it's not representative of any like broader shift within the nation. Although it used to be like, I think, yeah, yeah, that I think, yeah, Declan's point is that at one point did reflect a constituency or, um, you know, some social structure within actual society and that's just sort of endured like the structure has endured well beyond its usefulness um well my kind of like bullshit thing that i that i i'm now i'm i'm putting on paper i'm standing by it is that this election and the next election will kind of herald and i think historically you might even look back at last election as well herald the end of the the iron grip of like the two major parties like the coalition the alps at least control over Australian politics mm. because I think I think that's what and the religious discrimination bill like represents this to some extent is the religious right of the co- coalition has really pushed for this to happen but there was clear dissent within the conservatives um, a couple of them talking about crossing the floor and stuff like that but understanding the coalition as as what it actually is a coalition of these various forces that like only really came together to form a political alliance in response to a really strong labor movement that was that had made a party and was starting to win gains for the working class like within parliament but after the labor movement shot itself in the foot with the accords and it's like it's union membership and the ALP vote has been on a structural decline since so like the actual reasons for the conservative coalition to hold apart really tightly aren't there in mm. in the material kind of like social relations of Australia. And so that's why we're starting to get a bunch of athletes run in safe liberal seats and win is because, well, they actually do represent the, the, firstly, the interests and the views of these relatively kind of conservative constituencies in North Sydney a lot better than, than like a Pentecostal. Yeah. So should we talk about that? This kind of new wave of, what would you say? Like right wing or, I mean, a lot of these sort of minor parties are more centrist, really. Like, we were looking at the uh, the Science Party, which is also known as Fusion, confusingly. This um, is good stuff. Well, cause, so this happened because of, I didn't really pay any attention at the time because it didn't, like, correspond to us. But yeah. I think Drew Pavlo was, like, like shit, uh, upset about it, which is how you know it's probably good. <laughs> um, they made minor parties have to register, like, more than 10 members or whatever to register <laughs> as a party. It wasn't that. It might have been 500. But none, it, like, none of your 10 members can also legally be called Drew Pavlo. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Drew yeah. Pavlo law. <laughs> yeah, pure fascism. Yeah. Um, so, a bunch of minor parties, like, well, the ones that you'd probably all recognise from the Senate ballot would be, like, what, Pirate Party, Science, Science Party... Uh, the secular party, the secular party, and something called Vote Planet, which I've honestly never heard of, but yeah. sounds like they should be in the Greens. But anyway, well, that's the weirdest thing about all of them is they yeah. should all like, and not because I want them in the Greens, but they <laughs> they all like all the political tendencies that I feel like they're trying to represent exist within the Greens. Yeah, so there's. I'll just read from the website we were discussing this uh, before we started recording, but. Um, so it says, fighting the dystopia, corruption and economic inequity of today's politics, we bring our specialist focuses of the climate emergency, unlocking the future, free culture and secular humanism to the fore. Solarpunks, farmers, rationalists, doctors, climate warriors, artists, makers, teachers, activists, ethical hackers, community workers, culture jammers, extinction rebels and public servants all have combined to create a new light in the Australian political arena. But like, yeah, literally all of those people are already in the greens, like... Yeah, Some of them des- are really annoying in the Greens, but they are there. <laughs> yeah, like you've described in that sentence 100% of the Greens party. 
Well, so I don't know. Do I'm I not any in, of those I don't things. think I fit into any of these things. I guess. I'm not a culture I'm an, jammer. I'm an ethical hacker. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm, I am. I You've never hacked anything I in your will, life. I could. I could if I wanted to. I'm a solar punk. I'm a rationalist, personally. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a rationalist. I'm a solar punk. Um, I'm a, make, a maker, an activist. Yeah, I'm a maker. I fucking make shit all the time. I love making. Yeah. We're so making a podcast right now. So, so we'll, we'll be, yeah. we will be leaving the Greens. Yeah, yeah, we're forming our own so party. The fusion, so the Greens, to be clear, the entire Greens party is joining the Fusion Party. That's what this is like. That's what we've discovered here. That's what we've decided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, look forward to bringing that to the next state council. Um, it, it's like it that that feels bizarre. I, well, I think that one doesn't really count. Like I, I was, I just found out about it and thought it was funny, but, but because because there's also a few new things that are formed. There's Australian Progressives. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I think are running like it looks like they're running quite a few people. They've got a f- like they've got more people kind of busier on Twitter than you'd expect. I think there does seem to be a few people with enough energy to to probably try and get that off the ground. It maybe isn't like fully there yet, but I think they probably will get off the ground over the next well, few years. I'm looking at their website, and again, I'm just like, why are you not in the Greens? Like their platform. Yeah, you could is, easily be the conservative arm of the Greens. It's climate action, stop corruption. Federal ICAC now, in poverty, that that's it. Those are their three big fucking things. It's yeah, like, it what sounds are you, great. What Why has no one to? else thought of this? Yeah. <laughs> Why has no one else thought of ending poverty? That's a good idea. But yeah, it's bizarre. Like, I think it's. I think there's something really bizarre going on with with like small parties and independents because the other like the other the big independents, um, I think like the big part of it is what happened in Sydney with Abbott losing his seat to Zali Stegall or Ste- Stengal? Stegall? Stegall, mm. yeah. Stegall. Because that's like, that seat's, that's the first time that seat's ever not been won by the coalition. Yeah, right. Um, it was like made in like, you know, 1910 and it's just always been a coalition seat. So, so like that's, that's obviously like a pretty, they're starting to lose their base in, in like, the, the centre of Australia's, like, conservative, like, heartland is North Sydney. That's where that's where Australian capitalism lives. And they've lost a seat there. And then um, Clover Moore's candidate, who was the ACA lady. Um, you, you, you've got to know people's names on a podcast, don't nah, you? No, you don't. <laughs> that's fake, fake news. Yeah. The, well, you know, the lady, the Clover Moore person. Yeah. The, she she won and then she lost in a by election to Sharma. Well, yeah, there's a lot of the. I mean, this has to do with like the. Some of this is like the climate split and the coalition, right? Yeah. So that's like why. And it's. Yeah, like that's why Turnbull went. It's this whole thing of like a section of capital going, oh, like, okay, like climate change is real. We want to pivot to green capitalism. We want to make money out of that instead. We want to like um, be in charge of. Like, we recognize that this is going to affect our investments. Um, we're going to have to pivot here, but obviously want to remain in charge of the entire world. But also, like, what are the, like, what are we doing with these uh, reactionary Christian types? Increasingly, like, what do they bring to the table? Yeah, increasingly they're on the, out, the outer side of, of the kind of conservative political alliance. Um, and, and I think the other part of this as well is, and I know I was saying like this, this isn't going to be the woman's election, but maybe this is going to be the woman's election because I think the other part of this as well is that the strength of patriarchy within the actual like capitalist class is weaker because like people like Rupert Murdoch, etc., genuinely didn't want the world that their mothers had for their daughters. So I think like one of the people who's running in North Sydney is um, Allegra Spender, which is a great name. Hell yeah. Um, if she's not doing a hey big spender ad <laughs> well, campaign, if, yeah, she should do that. But also, her opponents should also do that. Oh, big spend, yeah, of course, because yeah. hey big spender. Um, but she's like, <laughs> so it's her, good to spend. Don't get me wrong. Um, but so her father was the conservative MP for one of these North Sydney seats for years and years and years. Um, she's a McKinsey graduate. Like she's by every de- like by every understanding that we have a conservative, but also I imagine works with gay people works with like multiracial people is a woman herself and doesn't see her interest reflected in the Chris, like in an alliance with, with the Christian right of the, the conservatives. Yeah. So, and maybe that will actually be part of what breaks down that coalition is, mm. is this. I reckon there's a lot of pissed off women in the liberal party. 
Well, I mean, there's not a lot of women in the Liberal Party, but like the more high profile ones. Because like, I think as well, one of the things that I suspect has happened is that the Christian right in the coalition have uh, gotten very overconfident, mostly because I think of Donald Trump. I think they've seen the success of Trump and some of these other nationalist projects and they're thinking of themselves as part of this like new wave of nationalism that they would like to construct as the the future of the right. But it turns out actually is was never all that popular, it was mostly a response to the like uh, absence of any kind of meaningful oppositions, like the death of the Labour Party, and also just its base is super old. And it turns out there's just like if you're a, a young conservative now, you're probably some kind of alt-right freak. You're probably like, uh, you know, online posting about returning tra- tradition and stuff. And so a lot of the young people that I think are go- coming into the Liberal Party are in this kind of like fringe nationalist groups. But also there's just like not a lot of young conservatives at all. Yeah, but that's true. Like, So I think like the the talent pool, that, so to speak, that they, um, the Conservative Party is like recruiting from is from young men who understand themselves as conservative and are that sort of like Reddit alt-right group you're talking about. Whereas the actual, like the actual ruling class is becoming like, Look, it's 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 the girl bosses, right? Like yeah. it's like Hillary Clinton is the ruling class of America much more so than Richard Spencer, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what we're what we're getting, what we're starting to get, is the breakdown of the party as it starts to reflect the Richard Spencer right, while the actual like the people with the actual keys to the car are Hillary Clinton. Hmm. Well, it's because okay, so we've talked about the. The new progressives, uh, sorry, the Australian progressives and the fusion people, both of whom are kind of, I would say, more centrist. But then the other, one of the other smaller parties that's popped up is the new liberals, which are kind of like the centre-right version. And I'm on their website. It's quite interesting because it's, it is um, like the banner image is of, I think, an Australia Day parade with like like a multicultural looking crowd holding Australian flags. Um, so you can see straight away like what they're going for. But their um, their website copy is like pretty... Um, it's pretty out there. It's pretty... Well, it's it's definitely... I would say the, the Australian progressives are like, oh, evidence-based reason, blah, blah, blah. And the, the new liberals start off with a Nelson Mandela quote. <laughs> they say, to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedoms of others. And then they say, um, the new liberals are different from other parties. We are not politicians. Most members of the new liberals would never have entered politics unless they were driven to do so by the yawning nothingness offered by the other parties. <laughs> so already getting into, well, yeah. So what I figured out looking at them is it's all, like I'm pretty sure the new liberals is all this guy called Victor Klein. Ah. All the copies here, and if you go on his website, the copy is like identical and it's got a big link to the new liberals. Interesting. But he's a super kook. Like yeah. he seems like the sort of, he seems like, Someone who would be your favourite but also most annoying uncle if you were like, if you lived in North Sydney. Like, um, he's he's very proud of himself. I think he was at the time Australia's youngest barrister, and he edits a few like law journals or whatever. Mm. But also Australia's youngest barrister is a huge red flag. Yeah, but in like 1972, you know, Still, like yeah, yeah. Huge red flag. <laughs> and no, he's like a Sydney boy. He like went to the King's School, Sydney. Like he's obviously like from he's from old money, mm. but. He also has got to live the life of, of like, a man of independent means. So, he's, like, his his personal website lists all the adverts he's appeared in as an actor. And there's, like, 50 of them. He's appeared in a couple of Home and Away episodes. He's directed oh Shakespeare shows. Damn, this guy's honestly cooler than anyone involved in the Australian Progressives or the Science Party. Yeah, he is. But he's... But also, also like, like a completely huge insane kook. and like very he's annoying. A huge kook, and obviously, I don't want him to direct Australia's political like direction in any way whatsoever. No, 100% no. <laughs> uh, I will allow him to direct like a stage play of Macbeth. Um, though that sounds fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. This Jonathan Momsen guy pops up under my tweets every now and again. So are we seeing that like all of these new liberals, uh, Australian progressives, the fusion party and mm. a lot of these like Zally Staggles and Allegra Spenders and like various strong David Pocock's as well is happening yeah. in, in Sydney. David Pocock's like a very progressive but rugby union player who's retired. Rugby union is like 
I think one of the strongest like institutions of the Australian like ruling class. Mm. So is this to do with like are we? Is this to do with the radical centre? Are we seeing like because a lot of this is like oh we're beyond politics we're just going to do evidence based stuff like it's that or that like read on the political situation where like almost instead of being like oh the two major parties stand for nothing you're like they're all too ideological yeah that's and we've got aren't you sick of the far left and the far right running everything between them i think that like that might be the first line in the progressive website is like you know we're beyond ideology or something that is always what you say when you're beyond ideology. Yeah, that's the, the, <laughs> that is the, the first thing you say when you when you don't have an ideology yeah. is I'm I don't have an ideology. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah, that's a that's a lot. You can always trust that. Yeah. Which I think uh, it does. So it does speak to something in the electorate for sure. Like I've actually had punters, you know, say that to me on the door. Like um, I don't, you know, I'm not into politics. I don't like left and right. I feel like we should just, you know, govern according to common sense. Blah blah blah. Um, However, I don't think it holds up like when you're actually trying to get people to vote for you. Like um, I just remember uh, in the Gab Award election 2016, so this was the first time that Jono ran and he won the seat. Um, he was running against Carell Boel, old no. mate from... Oh, yeah, um, yeah. The, God, what's the name of that party? The, it's like- the, fuck, what is it? It's the one where it's just like... Uh, we're going to run an online vote. Yeah. We're going yeah. to do an app. Every, yeah. po- every policy that I have to vote on, um, I don't like go in there knowing how I'm going to vote. I put uh, I put it up on my app or whatever, and then all my voters can log in and tell me how to vote. Yeah, and you can practice. trust me because I'll sign a contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, like that is kind of this beyond ideology position, like distilled to its basics. But um, yeah, no one was buying it. Like it sucks. It <laughs> turns well, out like having a position on something as, you know, Jono did and it won the seat, like is much more attractive to voters. So yeah, we'll know. see how Labor goes with the discrimination bill. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't want to have to vote on every single bill. No, yeah. I also, also, it sucks. Like, it's a terrible idea. I don't want 300 guys from 4chan to like be the only people motivated enough to answer your online poll either. So I guess I will have to vote on every bill. <laughs> so what if I could, instead of running the entire democracy by myself as a full-time job elect a representative who I can mm, trust with someone curious. who has some sort of mandate and uh, and maybe some sort of like coherent set of beliefs which which to steer their decision making <laughs> some sort of ideology yeah. <laughs> and and people yeah and you're totally right Joe people lo- do love having an ideology like I think yeah the problem the problem with politics is not like too much ideology mm. uh, it's it's not enough. It's explicit. not enough ideology. It's not enough ideology. Well, like, well, it's not enough ideology and not enough, you know, uh, I don't know what would you even say, but like willingness to translate that ideology into the material politics that make a difference in people's well, lives. Yeah, I think it's like not enough kind of ex- explicitness about our ideology, like yeah. articulating an ideology, because it, like everyone has obviously got one, but what everyone without an ideology says is, I don't really have an ideology. I don't really like, you know, being guided by an ideology, and so they like articulate this kind of like individual rationalist worldview which is called liberalism um and that's what liberalism just dominates every single faction of australian politics like it's it's the dominant faction within every party at least Mm. but like it does seem like one of the responses to this like political void created by liberalism is people just like going oh what we need then is more liberalism like we're like that's what we, we've kind of seen. And I do think we see this in a lot of different places. This this kind of showing up of people who are like combining a kind of a populist thing of like, well, I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm an outsider. And like, I'm just going to make decisions for you. And I'm going to like just run a computer algorithm that determines what's objectively correct. And then I'll just do that. Um, but being offered as a re- uh, remedy to like this, yeah, like, this solution that was already created by that. It seems very circular to me. Like all of these new liberals, you know, is, is only we had a word for like being a, a new liberal, a kind of neo <laughs> liberal is like, yeah. And that like new equals neo liberal yeah. equals liberal. <laughs> but in some ways it, it does represent a kind of political center ground, a kind of swing voter mindset where mm. you're like, Oh, like what if they just did common sense? Yeah, 
um, yeah, and I think, like I said before, like it does speak to something that a lot of people feel that you know politics and they're correct in one sense like politics as usual doesn't serve them politicians do suck they're all out for their own personal gains like um and the way you know things function at the moment is obviously so obviously like mediated and influenced by you know things that aren't um considerations apart from like how to best serve you know the electorate broadly construed um but yeah like you can swing those people pretty easily by articulating a common enemy <laughs> and speaking to the other thing that everyone kind of instinctively knows, I think, which is that the, the way that like corporate power operates in politics, uh, which is one thing that I don't think any of these websites really talk about. Um, and like that is the elephant in the room. really. And, yeah. The Australian progressives might a little bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, with the ICAC and with, I think they want to ban donations to parties okay. and stuff. I think, yeah, I think they've broadly got like, a platform that you could work with. <laughs> I don't understand what they're doing. I don't understand. Well, one of their... I was reading the FAQs on the website and, you know, to their credit, one of their FAQs is um, why aren't you in the green... Or, like, how are you different from the Greens? Um, and it says here, we are fully committed to introducing policies designed to arrest the decline, blah, 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 of our environment ecosystems. However, we believe that people and communities who have long been dependent on ecologically unsustainable industries and practices need to be fully engaged in creating solutions. The resolutions we collectively pursue must ensure all industries are empowered with self-determination for their economic futures on the path to change. Like, I agree. You should be in the yeah. Greens. We believe this. That's like yeah, but the like, Greens policy as well. We all, like, but uh, The Greens have been waking themselves off silly about how they believe that for such a long time. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, all of these things are excuses. Like, they fundamentally don't. Like, it's uh, one of the other things is, um, are you left wing, left wing, right wing, or centrist? And it is just pure distilled anti-ideology. It says um, members of the Australian Progressives might individually identify with a polit- particular political position, but as a political party, our progressive platform has been informed through our values as progressives. It is these values, not dogma or tribalism, which drive our policies and behaviours. Evidence-based decision making. Blah blah blah. I'm <laughs> furious now. What the fuck is the difference between a value and a dogma? Oh, the difference is my enemy has a dogma. I have a value. Mm-hmm. That's fucking it. Like, did look the thing is anyone can just go on a website and write some copy that uses words that have a positive valence to them. It's actually super easy to do that. And every the thing is that these are all online parties. These are all Reddit parties, and these parties come from people on Reddit writing out manifestos. And in some ways, those manifestos approach a kind of emergent common sense, which is that it's all fucked and like why politicians should use more common sense and like like nobody's against evidence-based reasoning nobody's against anything here but it turns out like this happens in the greens as well as people just get very addicted to writing little manifestos and putting it on the website and feeling like they've accomplished something this is not a machine that actually produces results like this is just like and this is the whole underlying thing with all these progressive movements is it's just going to be another one of these manifestos and then you're not going to get any votes, and then you're going to make the set. You're going to be like, well, like, why did that happen? We had such a good manifesto, and you're just going to have it's going to go on round and round and round. Yeah, and I think like so much of this is like because of the commitment to non to non ideology is they what what not having an ideology means is that you don't have a think about like what sort of you don't have a an explicit understanding of what structures you think make society the way it is, and like what levers you could push to shift the shape of society so you know the reason society is bad is because there's not enough people who are making evidence-based decisions with progressive values in charge like that's that's why we've got inequality is because not enough smart people who value equality have been there to write policy Um, as opposed to like well like we've got inequality because it's part of like the mechanics of production and you know like you if people get paid too much then they don't go to work because they could do other stuff instead and people would rather, you know, write their novel or, you know, learn how to paint still lives than go to a f- go and serve bread for Bakery Delight. Like, Yeah, well, it's like, I mean, this is like a broader thing that I wanted to touch on here is that we are saying, so if we think that if we think the coalition's going to win, which I think they probably will, although they could not, but like there is a circularity to all this because the main thing about this upcoming election is that we already had this election. Like... We did this. We did this whole thing. We did this whole thing of Labor being sure it was going to win. 
and like running this kind of nothing platform and like doing this kind of little victory lap and then just losing and going like, oh, shit. I think they have even fewer policies this time. They have even less policies. I can't wait to see the review of this election and the way it like, so like when it gets memory hold, right? And when everyone loses their shit, what's, what the narrative is going to be is that the Bernie bros um, were, were, we hated, we hated women too much. Um, and then we hated women so much that the conservative Christian right won. And now Australia is basically like, it's basically uh, the the Margaret Atwood novel. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's all very, very bad. And also Labor took it way too big a touch, like way, way too ambitious. It was that internet, the internet license for kids policies. Fucking. Yeah. Uh, it was too ambitious. Um, and people, people were not ready. Yeah. People weren't ready for the idea of like big progressive change. And what we really need to do is small target strategy. We need a much smaller target next election. And Tanya's our girl. <laughs> Or no, it can't be Tanya because well, people, people are too conservative women, yeah. and they hate women too much. So it's going to be Jim Chalmers. Or, yeah. or who's that guy who um, did the really passionate speech about how we have to be progressive um, before he voted for it? About discrimination? Stephen, Stephen Jones? Stephen Jones, yes. Yeah, that's... If I know what someone angling for leadership looks like... I've never I do, even heard of that guy yeah, before. That's, that's what I mean. If you've mm. never heard of him and now he's making a big progressive how-to-do... This is a guy who wants to be the leader of Labour Party. Yeah, that, that's how it starts, you know. If you hear someone, you hear of someone, you're like, I've never heard of that guy. And then they're like, they're the next leader. Um, but yeah, certainly like that's a lock. Like if Labour loses this election, the one thing that is a guarantee is that within six months time, it'll be because they were too radically left wing. Mm-hmm. And because they have this capacity to memory hole everything that will, we can just keep rolling on. But also because like... um. One of the things that I've been thinking about and that we've got to start asking themselves in the wake of the last few years of a re-emergent global left and then that re-emergent global left not in fact winning and like they're not being a collapse of these institutions and it's like the Corbyn and Bernie Sanders projects not taking off is like, okay, how much of like, I'll, we kind of thought, okay, like the collapse of these parties will give us this huge opportunity. But a lot of that frustration just gets channeled back into this like, then like not just we kind of thought okay that frustration will get channeled into a new left or it'll get channeled into a nationalist right a lot of it just gets channeled into this like well politicians should have more common sense and like well what we really need is like more evidence-based stuff Mm. and so some of this like almost kind of new progressives like new liberal stuff is also an expression of that i don't know whether it is exactly i think you're right in that well no i think is it maybe like i would put it a slightly different way like those yeah, that those left movements failed to take off, and in many ways, the kind of alt right is also kind of stumbling and not fulfilling a lot of what people thought was going to happen. Uh, and I think, like, yeah, that energy has just retreated into kind of like the the anti poll vote, basically. And the new liberals and the Australian progressives are Reddit people who are picking up on that and are just twisting it through their Reddit brains into like, oh well, I'm going to do a common sense party. Like, I don't think those parties necessarily reflect anything in real life um no, i think the 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 mass of people um don't care and hate politics and think it sucks basically and you know the bernie experiment was basically like can those people be brought on board through an electoral politics campaign i think there's a lot of you know uh nuances to that situation particularly in a with a machine as sort of broken and evil as the democratic party but uh that obviously you know didn't work for them well I, like i think a big part of that is that like Yes, these these like major institutions are sclerotic. Um, that they've been, you know, in serious structural decline for fifty years, but they're still far far bigger, more coherent organisations than anything else. And I think, like, if anything, what the takeaway of the failure of the kind of attempts to like capture the British Labour Party or capture the Democrats is, is that you can't do it in six or twelve months. You can't do it in a year. You actually need to build an organisation that is bigger. And stronger, and that's kind of hard. Like the the emphasis on being in an organisation, I think, is something I've been thinking about a bit over the last yeah. week or two. Some what? kind of party, <laughs> some yeah. sort of party. Yeah. Well, yeah. What we need well, is even a party. I don't know. Like some sort of organisation, any organisation. Pick an organisation, but please pick an organisation. I'll tell you what we need is a dogma. What we need is to be. What <laughs> we need dogma. is a mindless dogma. Well, what we really do need is ideology. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And like I think like the the big the big thing over the next like 
the challenge in the Greens over the next 15 years is to develop a coherent party ideology. Yeah, and to like either get people comfortable with being ideological or get them to leave because... Yeah, that, I agree, Declan. I do just want to... Like, we know what's going to happen if the coalition wins. Um, it's just because it already happened. But I do want to uh, idly speculate on what we think a Labour government might actually do in the... Which is a big question because, really, they haven't told us. We no, don't know. We don't know. No uh, well, idea. no, we do know. Like, um, Elbow's going to immediately cancel all of the racist bad legislation... Um, all the stuff like voting for new colon gas that's gone all reversed, like every or oh, all the bad legislation they voted for. Yeah, 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 yeah they'll exactly. Un- they'll they'll, they'll undo. actually oh, undo. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Well, so like they'll spend the whole three years just like undoing their, back all their the own stuff that the voted votes for. that they themselves voted for when they were in parliament. Yeah, um, yeah. all communism immediately. Comrade Albo. Yeah, um, we'll be just like we'll be part of China in like, <laughs> six months. I can't. When you started asking, Matt, I noticed that. I did a big tired sigh and Joe yawned and I like, I really, if I find it hard to like force myself to consider it for more than like half a second, I feel like my brain slips off it. Yeah. Well, it is hard because there is no policies and I, I mean, what is the coalition government doing now? You know, like you'd be pretty hard pressed to name anything they've really done over the past few years. I feel like it'll just be kind of more of the same, but yeah, under a different, um, kind of mantle i think like you could look to state labor governments to get a little bit of a sense of what the ideological project of the alp at the moment is and it seems to be like government support for uh coal and gas exploration and like maybe soft expansions of the public service corporatization of the public service is a big thing paying consultants seems to be like Mm -hmm. an important part of what state governments do Mm. Is there anything else? Like, is it, like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a little bit of infrastructure in um, like marginal areas. Like, there might be some like highways built mm. in suburbs that have haven't had a highway built in them for a while. Certainly, no change to the refugee policy. Um, or I think, like, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any real climate action. Uh, there might be like a soft implementation of a targets thing. Yeah, like a renewables thing. There'll probably be some like some sort of environmental legislation that's like on balance good, but not defensible. It'll yeah maybe like a Queensland government approach. We like yeah we're going to put in a lot of renewables and have a target, but yes we're also opening up new coal mines. Yeah, maybe a bunch of money to like some sort of like renewables corporation mm. situation. I don't. I, I honestly find it pretty hard to imagine. They might do some stuff about TAFE. I don't know. It, the way the Labor Party makes decisions when they've got power is. Like various various ministers are tied to various unions, and they try and get like some like sweetheart patronage deals, and it's really um, it's really hit or miss, and it's really like diffuse and it's really patchwork. So it it's really difficult to kind of like make meaningful guesses about like which union <laughs> will be able to like like which union is allied to which minister because that shifts all the time anyway and then which minister will actually have the like the wherewithal to make something happen within the maneuverings of the ALP so yeah it's it's pretty difficult to make a good prediction I think we will keep update- listeners updated if there's a Labour government this is going to be great for our podcast <laughs> well give us something new <laughs> a lot to talk of content about. I just think that like there seems to be a real contradiction between how irate Labour people are and then how few things they're actually going to do in government. Yeah. Like, well, so, but it's just like, yeah, I guess it's just the symbolic victory. Well, like, I think it's because of, like, what what progressivism, as I think as a political mode has started to do over the last while, more so, is making each conservative leader the worst demon who's ever existed. Mm, like, mm-hmm. Scott Morrison is maybe more personally repellent to me because I knew he is responsible for advertising campaigns, but, like... Than John Howard, but broadly has the same politics. Like, yeah, is very similar politics, allied to the same politics within the like within within the U.S. in the kind of like Pentecostal right of the U.S. politics that Bush was aligned to. Like, I think really broadly very similar. So I can't really imagine. But Howard wasn't like demonized in this way. No, like, that's true. Like it, it wasn't like we knew we needed to get Howard out every year, but it was never a matter of like. 
but we're about to slip into some sort of like Christian fascism. No. But no. like the the discourse is very much that like we're already like well on the way to Christian fascism. Yeah, I mean that yeah, that's an interesting topic for maybe a future episode like why this yeah, every every liberal seems convinced we are pretty much already in the handmaid's tale and will, you know, or are about to be plunged into reproductive slavery. Um well it's just yeah, for some insane reason just copying what the Democrats are doing. Mm. Which is but it, yeah, but it doesn't reflect the reality there either. Like, no. there's some bad shit going on with, particularly around repealing abortion law. But it's yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, it's like Australia just copying the US, right? But like, mm. the Christian right is really strong in the US. You mm. know, like there's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. They're, they're there's legitimate like, force. Legitimately, millions of evangelicals. There's yeah. legitimately like, like big money, like California oil men who are fucking crazy evangelical Christians, and they've really had a, a control over big sections of the US state. For a long time But it's just not true here like, No Yeah but people do want to believe it Anyway Should we wrap up? Yeah I think we're yeah. done yeah. yeah Sounds great okay. That's the year um, That's the year We don't have to do another one Until the end of the year <laughs> <laughs> Guys that was That was your uh, yearly floodcast um, You won't hear from me Because I am going undercover In the Vatican <laughs> To Take it down From yeah, the inside finally, The Vatican will not exist By this time next year and Matt's doing that and on yeah, I'm doing Madden on. <laughs> There's the new project. I will be uh, posting cryptic messages. If you see a cryptic message, just from anywhere. Matt. <laughs> anywhere, yeah, that that will be. Anybody I will sign Matt. Matt. Yeah. 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 Um, or or who, who's the? What's the Ark story? Because I feel like there's a flood kind of like joke there. The flood and the Ark. If there was a Matt involved in the, there was not. Yeah. Well, that's it. We fucked it. It's. The International Brotherhood of Mats is on the case. Yeah, okay. As you've said before, Matt, you have, there's a lot of powerful mats. There are a lot of powerful <laughs> mats, and that's no coincidence. So if you hear say, anything said by any mat, just anywhere in your life, any mat you know personally, any mat you might see online, just just keep an eye out, okay? And that, that's <laughs> me. That's my... Just be aware that just open, we're a benevolent Keep your third force. eye all the way open. Yeah. yeah. We're a benevolent force. We're a force for good... Trust the mats. That's my final word on this. Is it like sense eight, but sense mat? Yes. That's good. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it's like. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.